I'm Angel. I'll be a junior at a college in Illinois, and you're listening to the first episode of What I Need to Succeed. This limited series podcast has students from the Partnership for College Completion Student Advisory Council, or SAC, asked one another about their perspectives and experiences in college. The college experience from applying to how much we pay through graduation is shaped by all kinds of professionals that make decisions that affect our lives, but students are often left out of the conversation. These interviews get to the heart of challenges students face on campus. They explore how student identities and backgrounds shape their experiences, and students share how to solve these problems. For the privacy and comfort of everyone who participated, students who led and participated in interviews chose false names for themselves so that's how we'll be referring to people throughout this series. All names of other people and places have been removed, so you'll hear beeps where we took them out. You'll hear from me, Angel. I am a sophomore at I recently uh, transferred to past fall. Sierra. I'm graduating senior and graduating in May. Very excited. The brown girl with the camera. I am a junior at, and I am studying creative writing and journalism. Isaac. I am a first generation college student. I attend. I'm 22 years old and a senior here. Sophia. And I guess a bit of my journey has consisted of a lot of changes in my major and my minor and my career plans and everything. Isa. Um, I'm actually a fashion merchandise major. Um, I'm currently a senior and I'm going to be graduating next week. Maria. I'm 23 years old. Um, I'm half Italian, half Mexican, and I am a senior. Rosalia. I'm currently a junior um, because of credits, so I'm able to graduate a semester early. Hi. I'm a recent graduate. At, I graduated last fall. Black and brown students, low-income students, and first-generation students face barriers before college even starts. We see that in enrollment gaps by race and income, especially at colleges that have more money to spend on students. Students told us about how once they get to college, they have trouble getting the financial help they need, finding campus communities, or even getting information about these things. We heard from students calling for increased programming and resources targeted towards particular student groups. Students want clear communication from their schools about resources and opportunities and clarity around how students can access those resources. They talked about the networks of support that connect them to services and resources across and beyond their campus that help students navigate confusing systems. One thing students really highlighted was a disconnect between resources schools offer and students who need them. Isa, Rosalia, and I talked about resources and programs not being visible to students on campus. I feel like has some programs that people aren't aware of. 
uh, specifically since I am a senior. I've had so many seniors say the same thing as me and I'm a transfer student and they all like, it's always like, oh, I didn't know we had that or I didn't know that that was a thing that we had access to. And, and these are students that have been there the entire four years. Have to really search for the places that you want to find. Like if you want to find a Latinx community, um, those who identify within the LGBTQ plus community, sometimes you really have to search because obviously you don't click with everyone and it's like, okay, what Latinx communities are there? And I remember at the beginning of the semester, I found like one or two and come to find out like last week, I found out there was one affinity group for campus housing. And I was like, how did I not know this? And they were like right here this entire time. And so I just, I don't think they podcast like all these things specifically to all these identities that people have. It's like here are all these organizations, all more than 300 of them have fun, but they don't really separate them out because it's overwhelming. And looking at 300 of them, never going to happen. Never going to happen. But I think that do, I think, a better job at organizing how um, they structure their organizations. Like these organizations, you know, maybe they're more focused on LGBTQ plus communities. So maybe we'll put them in this section. And, you know, it just it would make people who are searching for specific things to people that they can connect with a lot easier instead of like feeling like they can't find anyone because at the end of the day, when you can't find something, it feels like you're just alone and that sucks. In my interview, I told Ashley about feeling misled by my school about what kinds of resources I would actually have access to. Kind of just feels like a blow. It almost feels like they're lying to you when they're trying to get you to join them. And then you join and it's like, oh, well, I feel kind of screwed over because they didn't tell me that they don't really offer all these things. And it kind of sucks. Without accurate and clear communications from their schools, students struggled to find resources and support. Even after they learned about options, students still ran into logistic and scheduling barriers when they tried to access programming. Low income and first gen students are more likely to live off campus in order to work full time while simultaneously taking classes and make ends meet. In our interviews, we found that many SAC students who live off campus have issues with scheduling and commuting that made it difficult for them to participate in anything beyond just going to class. Maria talked with Rosalia about these issues. I don't think that I have a true sense of belonging on campus. I definitely have a sense of belonging in my degree program and in my cohort, um, but on campus as a whole, I really don't feel like I belong. Um, and can you explain to me like a little bit more on why you might not feel on campus, but maybe within your department you feel? Yeah, so the way that set up, it is truly a commuter campus. 
And I feel like a lot of the students that are there all the time live there. And there's a big difference between the students who live on campus and the commuters. And I don't feel that sense of community as a commuter student. Um, I considered joining extracurriculars, but since I live so far from campus and they're always at night, um, it just wasn't really uh, optimal for me to join any extracurriculars. Uh, so I don't think that has really helped. Versus my cohort, I'm with them um, for every single semester for the rest of my program. So I've really gotten to know those students and we have a lot of discussions on diversity, a lot of discussions on how we can make education culturally competent, how we can make it equitable. And I really feel like that's an area where I feel most comfortable. Isa also talked about how commuting made building community difficult. So when I first started, in 2018, like my first year in college, um, I tried to join like the Black Student Union and a few other clubs and I tried to be active there, but it was um, a little bit harder for me because a lot of clubs are later at night and I lived on the, like a very like dangerous like area. And so, and I was like <laughs> pretty shy. So I didn't have any friends. So it was just like hard for me to like, go places and then be alone and not kind of like have people with me. So that was hard for me. Um, and it was a little bit different because coming from where BSU was smaller. Um, but during that first year, I did try to find different ways to connect. Um, now that I'm back, not so much. Also, I like commute. Um, so it's really hard to to commute and act, like be a part um, and feel kind of part of the school. I think for this last year, I kind of, it's just been about getting to graduation. I wish it would have been more about like accessing, being able to access all the like support and things that we have on campus before I leave. And I tried to make it that, but it was, it, I didn't feel like I received like a lot of that support. So I think, and a lot of people go through that, like they commute or they, you know, can't be as active on campus. So their main goal is just like just graduating and like trying to like be, have as little debt as possible rather than like being able to enjoy their school and like what their school have, uh, has access to. Students talked in these interviews about how their bad experiences made them less likely to try and use their campus resources in the future. Isa and Kai described their frustration in trying to just get questions answered. Um, I didn't go to access specifically therapy. I did access like the tutoring center, um, student service center, financial aid office. Like I try to reach out for help and support before I do it on my own. So I have tried to do it um, lately, even with like advising, um, I still may try to le reach out, but lately not so much. I just like try to do everything myself, research if I have to. I think it's because of the bad experiences I have had. Like I will say that a lot of times I've like 
schedule meeting and I'll just have to be on like on the phone, even though I'd rather that in-person connection. And then I kind of leave not really getting my answer, like, uh, I mean, my question answered. Um, also, like, anytime you're kind of on the phone, you kind of, you will most likely um, receive someone that seems like they don't really want to work with you. Like, it's like a burden or they're just like uninterested or just like they don't really care about the situation. And that has not been fun, you know, when you're trying to, figure out something, especially like something as big as financial, um, help. And they just like pretty much give you little to no advice or like, don't really answer your question. Not really thorough. Um, and so that is one reason I think every time I've called the financial office to ask a question, I leave like knowing that I have to research after. But, um, I've, have the most issues with the financial aid office just because they aren't very responsive or empathetic specifically i had a semester where they awarded me a scholarship they said i was qualified for it and i was in my head thinking okay that's great this is how much i have to pay for school this semester i'll be able to afford it and then a week before the semester ended they took it away without even letting me know and they said that it was an error and then they accidentally thought I was qualified for it when I wasn't even though that scholarship was on my account for probably around nine months which is enough time for them to catch a mistake but they caught it a week before the semester ended and it was really stressful because that meant that I had to figure out how to pay around $3,000 in a week because the deadline for paying for the semester was then. And then if you're not able to pay for the semester, you can't access your grades, which meant I wouldn't be able to access my grades for my final or download my grades, which was a problem because I needed to update things for student teaching and that would set me back. And I I went to the office, I talked to them about it, and they were just blaming me for it, which was very confusing. And I, I had to make a whole report and talk to the dean and everything. And it was it was a whole ordeal. Eventually they gave me back the scholarship, but they didn't apologize or do anything. Or they didn't directly even communicate with me. They communicated with the person that I talked to and the person that made the report, which was ridiculous. I told Diana that they had actually experienced multiple issues with accessing financial aid. Right from this, has there been any other like encounter that you've had with the financial aid office that has made it difficult to like access them? Um, any other? Yeah, I've had issues where I've had to call for other scholarships or having them not apply my loans in time. And just, I I feel like I tend to have financial aid issues with that office. Like every semester, there's always something that's just not going completely right. 
and they're not very quick to answer either so if there's deadlines and there it's missed it's just a whole problem there was another scholarship issue where the scholarship mailed the check to the school but the school never cashed the check for that semester so i just never got it which i I still don't know what happened, but I just never got it. And the school never contacted me about it. And yeah, most of my encounters have been bad. The brown girl with the camera also spoke about trying to reach out for services, but being turned away because of school policies. For the brown girl with the camera, this experience made her feel more comfortable seeking services on her own outside her school. When I attempted to 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 go after these things like um therapy it was almost in the semester when i reached out and i don't know why i waited till the end maybe it's just i felt i could handle the situation on, on my own but then it got so overwhelming to the point that i couldn't so i reached out to the um therapist therapy. And um, when I spoke to them, you know, it, it kind of felt like they had turned me away. And it, it wasn't their fault. It, it, it may have been the fault of my own waiting until the end of the semester. It was over Zoom that we spoke. They couldn't help me at that point of the semester. So they, uh, we searched for other outside, outside resources. I don't think I ever pursued those resources that they, they shared with me. But I guess my own search made me feel more in control. And sometimes, um, when you're too afraid to speak up or you, you don't know what you need or uh, what you have in mind, you can't, you can't communicate your needs at that point because your mind is just, it's, it's in shock. You know, I was in shock at that point. So I didn't really know what I was looking for. Each of these barriers that students describe stop them from getting what they need to succeed, whether it's financial aid resources, programming, or mentorship. Low-income and first-generation students were nearly four times more likely to leave after their first year of college, and we can see why in these interviews. Schools need to work directly with Black and Latinx students, low-income students, and first-generation students and get rid of these barriers, which too often can lead to students dropping out. Research shows that you can boost persistence and graduation rates by funding support services for students. SAC students talk more specifically about how they can be more supported in their sense of belonging on campus, including more events, programming, and resources that connect students to their campus and to their identities. Sierra talked about the importance of offering programs on campus that would be helpful and convenient for students. And so to keep students on campus, we have to let them know that they are cared for. 
And that sense of care comes from self-care events, fun events, game nights, all that kind of stuff to take your mind off of the stress and the pressures of school. Because then maybe students will feel like, you know what, people do want to see me succeed. And if I'm having a really difficult season, I know I can go to X, Y, and Z. And if they can't help me, they're going to point me to X, Y, and Z. And you know, there's that trail of people that we can bring students to, but the main gaps that we were seeing were students not leaving their rooms for long enough to see what was out there. The lack of support in terms of um, just knowledge about how college works. That was huge. People don't really understand the things that financial aid sends them in the letter unless you let them know. <laughs> and although there are resources on campus, students don't know about them. And so bridging that gap between student and university and multiple capacities and lenses is what we try to do. And that is a lot of work for undergraduates who are trying to obtain a degree themselves when there are people hired in these positions who are just missing the students. I and I both talked about how programming and spaces that embrace student identities support our sense of connection to campus. I also talked about how schools should better fund these programs. I think aside from those bad experiences, I've definitely had really good experiences. Um, Matt and I have something called the which is for it's a specific place for people of color and LGBT students. So I really enjoyed kind of going there and having a sense of community or just going there and asking for help because there were people that wanted to help and didn't feel discouraged if they didn't have the answer right away. I think that if you could just do a better job at, you know, distributing their funding a lot better. They could ideally put more money towards like organizations like that are always looking for ways to make their lounge more accessible instead of having to pay out of their own pocket or just having to be okay with what they got. Public universities get money from the state and how they give that out directly impacts students' experiences and outcomes. Universities that enroll more Black and Latinx students have been disproportionately impacted by cuts to state funding. They also have less resources to spend on students' support services at those schools. Colleges are under communicating to their students, even though studies show that communication is especially important for first-generation students and their families. I talked to Ashley about what clear and accurate communication from schools could look like. Yeah. Well, what do you think needs to happen to dismantle those barriers and issues that she has? Oof. I think that's a lot. <laughs> I think... I think, I mean, if the university would stop false advertising, that would be so ideal. Um, I think students are always under the impression like they're going to offer this and this and this, and it's great. And then once you really get into the school, it's like not everything is as it seems. Like, let's be honest, nothing is as it seems. It's like we offer you help with tuition, but it's like, oh, but there's a catch to it. And it's like, oh, if I would have known this, 
this maybe would have changed my decision of coming here or this, I maybe could have planned accordingly on how I could have set myself up for success. Um, so I think if, and universities in general stop false advertising things that they don't have, or at least advertise in a way where students are aware of like, okay, they can't offer me exactly what I need, but it's I, I can still see myself going there, but I can plan accordingly now. Because mm-hmm. I think for me, had I known what I know now, I could have probably set myself up for success a lot earlier on in the semester and not had to have struggled the entire time, every step of the way, because it sucks. Um, yeah. Isa also talked about what better communication, especially around financial aid, could look like. I think even if people are aware of uh, some of the programs that we have, it's they don't know how to access it. Um, and I also think that connecting to their students more through communication, seeing what we actually need is important. It has a really high uh, dropout rate. And I think that a part of it is how expensive it is and their financial aid office and their, that support, I, I feel like could really improve because that is one reason why I had to leave because the financial aid office and all the help that I tried to receive was just like, so hard to navigate those are some ways that i feel like could just start like improve some things especially when kids coming in just knowing that they have certain things to go to certain uh uh access to certain things uh where to find scholarships or you know all of those things should be clear to all the students schools need to meet students where they are and be responsive to their needs and goals Isaac talked to Carol about how their advisors should collaborate with one another since they tend to have a good understanding of where a student is coming from and their goals. There is like our on-campus health center that I use quite often, and that's that's helped me a great deal. Um, But I think with the size of my college, it's been a lot easier for me. I haven't personally gone out of my way to like seek certain things. It's almost like... um, People have like came to me and they're like, oh, would you like this thing? Or would you like X, Y, and Z? And like, they helped me out with it. So I know recently the beginning of this academic year, um, I tried to sign up for our cross country team on campus. And during like my physical or whatnot, I found out that I had a higher than normal blood pressure. It was like 200 over like 80 something which is like pretty high (laughs) and the nurse on campus and the cross-country coach did everything that they could to make sure that I had the help that I needed going forward with that so like now I'm on like um medication to help me with that so I think um in terms of like my own experience with the access of resources on my campus, I would say it's been pretty positive. And how do you find about those services like the, um, um, your student health center and also um, the um, coaching that they gave you? I don't, I think that's definitely probably a drawback in my case because I don't recall it ever being like 
publicly like announced anywhere like oh if you need this x y and z service go here for that it was more of just like it happened by chance and i came into it so that's one thing that probably um could be done better at the college isa also talked about how important her network of support advisors were in connecting her to other supports that program like because i was part of it um i actually got to work with um two minority advisors so they changed my advisor to the program advisors and so i got to really have that connection they kind of knew my entire situation about like from having financial issues and then wanting to go back so they kind of helped me with that process but that was only because i was a part of the program and that program was specifically for minority students and people um and our first generation students uh so that that was a really part big part of like my experience of having um uh, coaches and mentors um cuz it wasn't only a part of the program it was also like everyone involved with the program kind of knew my situation was like there to help me there to support me giving me opportunities even like this is why i'm a part of this program is because they introduced me to it Student voices should drive decisions that impact them. When these students talk about how they experience campus, they're clear about what they need from their schools to dismantle the barriers and challenges they experience. Too often in these conversations, students talked about how these networks fell short or never reached the students they're supposed to help. These are just some of the needs and solutions Illinois students have. College leaders and policymakers should consider which student voices are being heard and what their efforts are doing to make these systems better. Is there enough funding to make college affordable for students and for the support they clearly rely on? How can we change policy to improve communication systems and prioritize resources? In the following two episodes, students will shed more light about how they experience these issues and what we should do about them. We'd like to thank all the SAC students who were interviewed as part of this project. Isa, Angel, the brown girl with the camera, Rosalia, Sofia, Kai, Isaac, Maria, Sierra, and all the students who led interviews, Luna, Carol, Angel, the brown girl with the camera, Luis, Rosalia, Maria, Ashley, Diana.